Once you live in the 716, Buffalo sports is ingrained in your soul. No matter where you are, we always remember the roots that helped us grow. Don't let where you live or the people around you stop you from showing your Buffalo pride. Join us Buffalonians as we talk all things sports in the 716 on the Buffalo Loyal Podcast. Circles the way, like the Buffalo Bills. I'm your host, Nick English, alongside my co-host, Andrew Ogwich. No matter where we are, no matter the heartbreak, we will always remain Buffalo loyal. This is the Buffalo Loyal Podcast. We appreciate everyone for tuning in each and every week. As always, uh, coming to you live on a Wednesday night. Uh, Definitely not the podcast we want to be having, but um, unfortunately for the Bills, their season ended this past Sunday versus the Bengals um, in pretty embarrassing fashion. Uh, The team really didn't have any sort of life. The only chance they really had in that game was the chance to kind of double dip at the end of the first half, get the ball out of the second half, and maybe make a game of it. Um, but that just never really happened. Uh, the Bills lose 27 to 10. A lot of questions to be had. Um, a lot of drama after the game. I'm sure we'll talk about that. I really don't think it's anything. I think it's just guys not being happy with the result. Um, but yeah, the Bills pretty much just got utterly stomped out by the Cincinnati Bengals. Game was never really close. Uh, season is over. I feel like there's a lot more questions than answers. Uh, Andrew, you were there, so I'll kind of let you take over how the atmosphere was, the feeling before, during, and after the game, and then obviously a few days have passed now since the the season has ended. I feel like everyone is kind of going through the emotions of – I feel like it was the stage of let's fire everybody to let's kind of, you know, pick out some few issues and go from there, and then there's the – also side, you know, you and I had talked about of, you know, this team did go through a lot this season. They are, you know, just humans like we are. So you got to take kind of that into account too. Um, but still uh, definitely a disappointing season nonetheless, because ultimately this team uh, fell way short of the ultimate goal of winning a Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. And it's right. <clears throat> Another year in a row of going home early when you didn't expect, you know, you didn't expect uh, to be going home this soon and um, right fell short of the ultimate goal of making it to the Super Bowl and, of course, winning it. Um, you know, being at that game, right, I mean, the atmosphere before, the tailgate, you could kind of sense just an air of tension in Orchard Park, right? Like, people were, I think, worried. I think people kind of understood understood what might happen and what ultimately did happen, um, right? People were trying to enjoy it, right? You saw a lot of, hey, this is our last tailgate of the year, have fun, it was reflecting on the year, um, lots of people out. There are also a lot of Bengals fans, tons of Bengals fans. Um, so that kind of, uh, kind of ruined the vibe for a little bit too walking around the park, walking around the stadium, seeing a bunch of orange and hearing them say who day over and over again. Um, but 
you got into, we got into the game and just immediately, right? I think I texted you after the Bengals scored their second touchdown and I said game. Like it just, you could feel, I mean, just complete deflation of energy, of air out of that stadium from everyone, right? Like it just, there was no sense of they're going to come back. They're going to figure it out, right? Like you can just tell that, you know what? It's not not meant to be. It's not going to happen this year. It's not going to happen tonight. And it was really, uh, really disheartening, right, to sit there. I mean, I like I said, I I picked up on it halfway through the first quarter, end of the first quarter. I was like, oh, this is over. This is not happening. Granted, I am a very pessimistic person, right? So that doesn't uh, that doesn't help my case or you know my cause to begin, but slowly right people around me kind of start to realize that man this is uh this is where it ends and it turns into that frustration of man the season should not end like this right like it you start you start the the steps of of grief and you you get into that bargaining phase right away while the game's still happening you're like man like it, it can't end like this like this is not how this is supposed to go down this is supposed to be our year and you're just watching Josh get destroyed. You're watching the defense just absolutely sleepwalk out there. Um, it's just so disheartening. You hear the Bengals fans slowly, you know, around you slowly get louder and louder and even more cocky. And it's just like it was tough. It was uh, it was a tough environment to be in. One of my probably least favorite games I've ever been to. Um, as far as like entire experience is concerned, just because it just what it meant, what was happening, you could feel like I said that that takeover of Cincinnati fans, and it just it was rough. It, it was a rough uh, game day experience um, that I don't. I hope I don't have to relive ever again. But who knows? We're Buffalo sports fans, so <laughs> I'm sure it'll happen again. Yeah, and I think. In the aftermath of the game is where things can get out of hand very quickly um, with fans. And especially if you've been on Twitter or social media in general this week, it's kind of the most toxic place in the world. Um, and it's it's hard to stay off of it because it's just it's how our generation is. You want to be on it a lot, see what see what's going on, see um see what's happening in the sports world but every two seconds it's a uh, josh allen and stefan Diggs hate each other and he's a diva and he's gonna leave again he's you know we're gonna run him out of town like jack eichel and um it's you know josh stinks and you know he's just gonna be philip rivers and uh you know just you know jordan poyer's gone and he's gonna be a cowboy and you know, all the cap issues the Bills have and this, that, and the third. And it just, it gets magnified when you, uh, when you lose this way in the playoffs. Um, it kind of felt like, you know, we had talked about it for a few weeks now that, you know, I know you were a lot more pessimistic than I was about them pulling out this game, you know, when we talked last time. Um, and, you know, I was kind of more just riding with the, it just felt like this was supposed to be that storybook you know, season of like all the adversity and the shit that this team had to go through, um, that it just only felt right that they were going to just find a way to 
um, make it happen. And, you know, leading up into the game, you know, you watch the Jacksonville Chiefs game. Jacksonville really was in that game a lot. Mahomes obviously gets hurt. And it's just like, okay, it's like if the Bills can find a way to pull this out tomorrow, you know, you are getting your best shot right now. And injured Mahomes, who in the second half was clearly laboring, you know, if you can just get any sort of pressure and then you watch, you know, the Bills come out and just, like you said, the defense looked uninspired. Um, Matt Milano, obviously, after the game said there was no juice, which got a lot of heat for because, you know, it it's a second-round divisional game. You're in the playoffs. Chance to win a first Super Bowl for this city. And you're talking about, you know, there's no fire. I mean, DeMar is in the building, like, getting fired up. Yeah, quote-unquote, in Alleged. the building. Allegedly with all this conspiracy theories, which is kind of just fucked up in general. But, you know, Josh went on Kyle Brandt's basement and, you know, said, you know, that's not true. And, you know, DeMar was obviously having some fun with it, posting on his social media the whole clone um, picture, quote-unquote. Um, and then Eli Apple just really piled on and just started a lot of shit on Twitter. It was just, It's just been toxic all week. Well, um, after the game, right, like walking out of that game, it just it was it was very quiet. But besides hearing the idiot Bengals fans doing their who day chant, you just there was just a look of dejection on everyone's face. And I knew immediately I have to do everything I can to stay off of Twitter because I know it's not going to do me any good to scroll through it. So I deleted Twitter before I got to my car uh, Sunday night. And I did a pretty good job of staying off of it until I saw uh, on Instagram, right, Eli Apple um, do his thing and kind of got pulled back in a little bit and kind of riled up that anger and frustration, sick feeling in my stomach a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, Twitter, Twitter's a dark place right now. If you are a Buffalo sports fan, if you're a Bills fan, it's, it's interesting. And I'm trying to go on this rant to cut you off nick but it's interesting to see how quickly the league the media other fan bases have turned on the bills right like it happened after after we won last week in the wild card round but barely won it was like an immediate bills are terrible they're no longer the league's darlings right like no one gave a shit about us anymore like it was a complete 180 and i could like personally i kind of felt that just happen towards the end of the season right like think about the beginning of the season right we were super bowl favorites we came into it everyone loved us josh was mvp favorite again um offense was high flying right our score differential was out of control it was incredible everything was great everyone loved us we were the darlings of the league again. Bills fans could do no wrong. And then slowly, right, like the league started to get sick of us. The, the news cycle started to get sick of Buffalo and the Bills and Bills fans. And it just, we kind of fueled that ridiculous cycle. Um, and with that wild card round, everything just shifted. And the Bengals trying to find motivation out of the league selling tickets for a game and all this stuff like it just it completely flipped and just like it's all the shit that's just hanging over this team and this fandom right now it's just absurd um 
it, it's crazy how quick things just kind of turn on you. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's really not too much to dive into the physical game about. I mean, it was just an all-around ass-kicking. There was no yeah. There was no bright spots or things to take away from that game. It wasn't it wasn't like last year against the Chiefs where you literally played your A++ game and lost because of 13 seconds and just bad coaching decisions, um, which we can probably indulge into in a second. But, um, yeah, I think for me, just after the game, the first things that started coming to my mind was this team really wasted two prime opportunities in this quote-unquote window um, to really have a run at the Super Bowl. Um, Brandon Bean kind of referenced it yesterday in his um, presser right around his Jamar Chase comment, which he took some heat on, which, I, you know, I think I don't think that's quite what he was trying to say, but it kind of came off wrong. Um, but, you know, he mentioned how the Bengals are kind of into luxury right now of Joe Burrow is still on that rookie deal and Jamar Chase is on that rookie deal and their big dogs really haven't been paid yet. So they're they're benefiting from that. Same thing with like the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. Um, you look at these other teams around the league that are benefiting and able to put some really good, you know, rosters on paper because they're taking advantage um, of these low salaries. And Buffalo right now is kind of out of that. Josh Allen's deal is kicking in. They just paid Stephon Diggs. They paid a bunch of money to Von Miller, and unfortunately he gets hurt. Um, so now you're looking at it of, damn, 13 seconds last year, you work your ass off all year to get this home playoff game only for you to get your ass kicked. And now it's, all right, well, Jordan Poyer is more than likely gone as much as we would love to have him back. I think it's, I would say it's probably 80, 20, as far as he's going to be gone and not being a Buffalo bill. Um, you know, I have a family member that lives literally across the street from Jordan Poyer and the day after the season, he already had a U-Haul in his driveway, which isn't the most uncommon because obviously he lives in Florida and a lot of players move out of their, homes immediately after like it's a very quick process guys are getting in and out and going back home to where they're at but um still not the best sign i know um you know rachel bush has obviously already been starting to like some cowboys tweets and um other tweets around and you know i saw jordan poyer changed his twitter uh background today to the michael jordan last dance whether that means Maybe he's going to have one more last dance with the Bills, or maybe that was his last dance. Who knows what um, the cryptic tweet um, is in there. But um, just between that and now you have to make this giant decision on Edmonds because you have Ed Oliver and Gabriel Davis and these other guys coming up, um, and the Bills are already kind of right at that cap where Brandon Bean's going to have to work around it. Um, it really just feels like they – they blew an opportunity, and I think it's kind of a perfect segue now into um, the biggest, you know, thing going on right now is who is to blame um, for the Bills coming up short. And, you know, last week 
I was very adamant about giving Sean McDermott the respect he deserves for handling the things the way he did with DeMar and how he's handled all the ups and downs of the seasons. And there's nothing to take away from that. Um, But from a football perspective, I think him and Brandon Bean have kind of gotten away scar, you know, scar free the last few years without taking really much criticism. And I think it's kind of starting time to look at the coaching staff and your GM of just there's been a lot of mismanagement. And, you know, I texted you this, Andrew, that, you know, honestly, I I haven't I've been dealing with the game a lot better than I thought I would. Um, and I think it was just like because it was never close, it was almost just refreshing of like, hey, guys, clearly there was a lot of chinks in the armor that Buffalo or, you know, Diggs and Allen and those guys were kind of covering it up and we were able to continue to win a lot of close games. But the the Bengals kind of exposed you for a lot of the flaws um, in your team that just weren't exposed during the regular season. And now it's three straight playoff appearances where you're getting bounced um, and those things just continue to get you know, glorify. We we have talked about Brandon Bean at nauseum on this podcast for how good of a GM he's been. Um, and you can't take away the addition of getting Stefan Diggs for this team or bringing in a free agent talent like Von Miller. Um, but the facts are the facts. And if you look at the last four draft classes, the Bills have not gotten a single Pro Bowler. And quite frankly, the draft classes have underwhelmed. Um, you know, we had talked about it way early on in the year when we were going through the draft classes and we were talking about Gabriel Davis and Dawson Knox and Devin Singletary at Oliver and, you know, Greg Rousseau and these guys, even AJ Epinesa's. Yeah. Like we hit on these guys or like they're showing great potential. And then, you know, by the end of the year now it's like, well, maybe we were really wrong. Um, like I still have a lot of faith in guys like Greg Russo. I just think that with Von Miller going out, there's a lot of pressure on him as a second-year player when people forget he did sit out his senior season. But, you know, Ed Oliver really wasn't an impact in this last game. A.J. Epinesa, Boogie Basham, Shaq Lawson, Jordan Phillips, Tim Settle, a guy that we paid, you know, 4 or $5 million to come in and make an impact and sure up that D tackle spot were pretty much no-shows. Um, the first-round pick, Kyer Elam, that you drafted, you were in and – he was in and out of the lineup all year. Um, Christian Benford, kind of same deal. You know, you go through a million safeties. You don't have the depth that you need. Um, and just the draft classes haven't – they haven't hit. I mean, even Spencer Brown, you know, there's rookie slumps, and then there's, like, hitting the wall of, like, was it just a one hit wonder with him because he was just getting abused left and right in the playoffs. And now you have to reconsider if that's going to be your long-term starter. Um, And then just with McDermott, it's you look at a lot of the off or, you know, teams in the NFL right now, and they're a lot of the head coaches are offensive, you know, centric. You look at all the remaining teams pretty much in the playoffs. They all have offensive minded head coaches um, McDermott's kind of the one of the few that was with a defensive background. 
Um, and his him and Leslie Frazier have had this amazing defense every year he's been here in the regular season. But, you know, I saw a thing earlier today, the last three playoff games, they've allowed like 107 points and like 1,300 yards. Um, so for a guy that has made his living and got the head coaching job for his experience and defensive prowess, um, they just you you can't go out the way they have the last three years and not question that. I mean, the biggest play everyone's pointing out is third and four when you have a chance to kind of keep the game in wraps early on, or maybe it was even fourth down and three, and you have Trey White and all your cornerbacks sagging seven yards off the line of scrimmage. Joe Burrow snaps it, throws a quick screen to Jamar Chase, easy first down. It's just, um, I think McDermott. Frazier, Dorsey, and Brandon Bean um, really need to take a long look in the mirror, and they have a lot of work to do um, in the offseason. I'm not going to sit here and say Sean McDermott should be fired because I'll take going to the playoffs every single year over sitting through a 17-year drought any day of the week. Um, but I will say that if we're fortunate enough to go to the playoffs again next year and you get the same result, um, that seat's going to get pretty warm pretty quick. Um, Ken Dorsey, it seems like his job is safe, um, just based on Brandon Bean's comments yesterday about him going into year two and whatnot. Dorsey did a lot of good things statistically. Um, I still kind of question – I don't want to say he should be fired, but when you we keep talking about this window and it's do you really want to have a first second year play caller in the small window you have with Josh over an experienced guy, maybe like a Frank Wright um, that you can bring in. Then as far as Leslie Frazier, great human being, he's coached some great defenses. Um, I think his time has kind of just run his course here, and it was pretty interesting they weren't like committal on any of the coaching staff or bringing him. Um, back wasn't like emphasized yesterday. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Um, just a, a lot to digest, but I'm definitely looking at Nick Dermott and being this off season of uh, there's a lot of work to do. And um, I do give McDermott a little bit of credit from the standpoint of he feel like he didn't really admit to kind of fucking things up in the 13 second game with his time management um, he at least in this kind of said that he did get completely out coached. So um, I guess you give him a little respect for that, but there definitely needs to be some significant changes and there needs to be an emphasis on us during this draft to get young players in who can make an impact right away because that's what everyone else in the league is doing. Um, and the bills just, don't have that right now. And a lot of the guys we thought maybe had it like Gabriel Davis. Um, I think we need to get Josh some more weapons. Cause if you look around at all the playoff teams remaining, they've done everything in their power to give their quarterback a great offensive line and weapons around him. And outside of Stefan Diggs, the bills have not done that for Josh Allen. When I think about the question at hand of who's to blame, and how did they lose this game? You mentioned it a little bit, Nick, when we first started, but I had texted you this, and what this game comes down to for me is I am choosing to believe that they lost this game because this team just ran out of steam, right? They just they didn't have anything else in them. I mean, that was, 
was pretty evident based on what we saw on the field, right? Like, just nothing was working. And I just, I just think they were done, right? Like, I just think the season had to be done for them. Right? Like, we've talked about it agnosium up to this point, but, like, really, like, if you think of everything this team, this roster has been through this year, right? Like, I won't go through it all. Everyone knows the list. Everyone knows what it is. Like, you got to remember, like, these guys are humans, right? Like, yes, of course, they get paid millions and millions of dollars to play a football game. But, like, outside of that, they're also humans. They've got emotions. They've got mental health to worry about. They've got physical health to worry about. Like, there's more to it than go out there on Sunday and play a game and throw a ball around, right? Like, I think there was legitimate pressure on this team to win the Super Bowl going into this year, right? We all know about the window. The mainstream media crowned them as Super Bowl winners going into this year, right? They start off great beating the Rams on banner night, right? Like, everything looks great. And then the injuries started happening, and, and guys had to step up that maybe weren't ready to stop, step up into roles that they needed to go into. And it just it just kept building for them. And I, I think they just they reached the end of the line for this season. And – Right, like, people say, oh, there's no excuses. You can't make excuses. Well, why not, right? Like, if it's a legitimate concern and a legitimate reason, I don't see why you can't make an excuse for them. Like, shit happens. It was a rough season for them. They've went through a lot. It's okay to say, you know what? They just didn't have it in them. They just could not finish the game and finish the season it's disappointing it doesn't it doesn't change the heartbreak at all but i think it's a legitimate thing to sit down and realize like yeah that might play a role in how and why that game ended the way it did now look i'm not saying to ignore the schematic issues that happened and and the the football part of it from that game because i mean there were some absurd things that happened right just offense could not get going again. Josh's arms were bloodied by the end of the game again. Right? Offensive line did him no favors. Um, Diggs, right, was completely taken out of the game again. Running game could not really get going. Like, just nothing was going right. Joe Burrow had all day. There was no pressure. He had wide open receivers along the sidelines all day. And, like, yeah, it just all around was a bad, bad game. They were not competitive. There just was no sign of let's grit it out. Let's find a way to get through it. Like, they were just spent. As far as coaching is concerned, I, I think I'm in the minority here where I'm, I will be okay and happy, like, pleased if no changes are made to these coordinators and to the coaching staff and to Brandon Bean. I think Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott are the right two leaders for this organization. I think they've proved that time in and time again. Are they perfect? No, not not even close to being perfect, right? Like, I, I'm not that delusional, right? Like, there, there's small things that need to be changed. Brandon Bean, I think, is a very prideful person, which is both good and bad at times, right? Like, I mean, if you think back to them, him chasing after this, 
certain running back that he's been looking for, right? Like the pass catching running back for two seasons now. And I think he, when JD McKissick kind of stood him up, I think that really hurt his pride. And he just like was so fixated on, I got to fix, I got to fit this role that I've been wanting. I got to find how to make this happen. And, and he just went running back crazy. Um, I think there was such a focus on, beef up the defense the defensive line sucks Starla Tule was terrible the past couple of years we got to build up you know build up that defensive line and try to make up for those mistakes there coming out of the COVID years and it just got super fixated on the wrong areas right like he did things to improve the team and better the team but I don't think it was fully there right like it wasn't fully calculated out the best thing for the team um i think ken dorsey yeah had some real questionable games this season this is first year playing calls like yeah of course like it's, it's not ideal but it's like you got to give them some burn-in time right i mean is that always the best the most ideal thing when you do have a playoff or a super bowl window that I think is very close to being closed. (laughs) No, that's not great, right? That's not what you want. But I mean, think back to Brian Dable. His first year calling plays was abysmal. It was awful. And then year two, he got better. Year three, he got better. And Josh got better along with him. So, right, like this year, Josh had made his jumps, had made his leaps, was able to make up for where Dorsey fell short, right? And, and where his, that knowledge gap was. Josh struggled towards the end of the season because he couldn't do it all, right? He couldn't take on the burden of running this team. I think Dorsey's going to get better. I think he's going to figure it out. Um, they got to understand the guys on their roster and how to use them more efficiently in a better position and get more help, right? Like, we all know the offensive line's terrible. That's got to be priority number one is that offensive line. You cannot let your franchise quarterback walk out of the stadium every week with blood running down his arms and uh, right a fear that he's going to get knocked out of the game. You can't let Stephon Diggs be the only one producing on this offense, right? Like, we get that. That's understood, right? But I, I don't think that means that Dorsey is bad at his job. I think they have to figure out a way to fill in some of these gaps. On defense, I mean, that squad, we we did not have all of our starters on the field at the same time after week one. That didn't happen. So what exactly do you expect – Leslie Frazier to do right like again not to make excuses but been a tough tough uh tough job this year right like but yes he does have to do a better job of understanding like okay I don't have the roster I started with maybe the game plan and the schematic and our philosophy was set for a roster that we don't have right now so we need to be able to you know kind of adapt a little bit and do better and that didn't happen. And yeah, like that's got to get better. But again, he's had one of the top def- top five defenses the past few years. Like it is a very good squad. It's a very good defense. Now that's going to change. The roster's changing. You're, there's no chance in hell. You said 80-20. I'm saying 
97-3 chance that Poyer's gone, right? Like, that dude is gone. There's there's no chance in hell he's back this year. That doesn't help. But it just and, – and people keep talking about that third and four play. I was like, yes, it looked bad based on that still shot that was going around. But if you think back to the type of defense that Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier play and this defense plays – that's a bend but don't break defense. That's what they do. They force you, they dare you to throw underneath them, and then they go and attack and, and try to tackle. So, if anything, be mad at a tackle not being made once that pass is thrown. They did that exact same defense, that exact same lineup later on in the fourth quarter where they stopped them and it worked. No one's talking about it then, but because on third, third and four – they converted, it's the end of the world. And, you know, it's Bush League stuff. Like, that is the defense. We we should know that. It's a bend but don't break. They don't want to give up the big play. They don't want to give up a touchdown there on third and four. They're going to force you to throw it underneath and try to make you fight for that first down. Now, again, that combined with an exhausted team, terrible tackling already throughout the game, it ended up in how it did, and now Twitter thinks Leslie Frazier doesn't know how to do his job. So it just, I think everyone is just, right, hypersensitive, rightfully so, right? Like, our, our favorite team just lost in a heartbreaking fashion. Of course we're angry how it ended. We're going to try to pick apart everything. But I just, I just, I think, I think we can run it back with who we have, right? We have to shore up the offensive line. You have to find more target, uh, more um, weapons for Josh. But I think the foundation that's been built, I think, is good enough to get us back to the playoffs and find a way to get over that hump next year. If you keep Von Miller healthy the whole year, if you aren't playing roster gymnastics every week, putting guys on IR, pulling guys off a of practice squad, Having two page long injury reports all season, it'll go a little bit easier for you. Um, is it going to be harder next year? Hell yeah. You've got barely any money. The division you're in is probably one of the best, if not the best, divisions in the entire league. You're playing a first place uh, schedule next year. So your backs are against the wall. But I think, I think who you have in place, players, your key players, your coaches, personnel, I think it's enough to run it back again, to win the East and find a way to get past the divisional round and get further into January. Um, I don't know. I just, yes, I'm disappointed. I'm heartbroken with how things happen, but I don't know. I just... The, after that Green Bay game, the, the second half of that Green Bay game, who honestly thought that this team was a powerhouse? Honestly, right? Like, think back. Like, yeah, of course, right? You love the team kept winning, but it's like – uh, Brandon Bean even said it in his uh, interview, his press conference. They were not able to put together a full, complete game the entire second half of the season. He's right. How many times have we sat here and say, hey, oh, 
they stuck it out. A win's a win. That's just how good they are. Or they figured they got lucky here. It's okay. Good teams get lucky. They can figure out how to win. But it's like, man, there was that concern. Like, just this season, I think, just was too much for them. They couldn't finish it. And I think, I think we're okay with it because we recognize that it just since that Green Bay game. I mean, go if if you still had that much more confidence, go a little bit further. December, right? Like, I just there was something or off about this squad, um, and I think it was just best for everyone if the season's just over, right? Like, well, you're you're not getting past Kansas City, you weren't getting past um, the Eagles or the 49ers. Like, just the team just didn't have it anymore. And it's okay. I mean, it sucks, but maybe that's a loser mentality. Maybe I'm a loser for saying it. Think what you want, but like, I don't know. I just, I'm okay with believing that they just they had to wave the white flag, and that's how the season ended. I'm in agreement with a good chunk of what you said. The only thing I'll push back on is on Leslie Frazier. Um, only mainly because, and I, I'm completely with you on the only reason I'd say the third and four gets magnified compared to when they make a stop in the fourth quarter is just because at that point, the game was already over. The bills had, they were done. There was no chance they were coming back and winning that game. As far as the bend don't break, which is definitely how they've played it in the last three, four years under that, it has gotten us in the top five, you know, in the NFL and pretty much every statistical category, whatever. Um, maybe it's time they need to change that defense because, yes, we finish in the top five in every single category or whatever most years or at least a good chunk of the categories. But every single time we get to the playoffs, the defense looks like Swiss cheese and it looks like we can't stop anyone. And it gets figured out. And I think it's – and I'm not saying Leslie Frazier is a bad defensive coordinator. I think it's just one of those things that I just feel like he's run his course here. Like you're losing Jordan Poyer. Who knows what's going to happen with Edmonds because you saw what Roquan Smith got paid. You know, do you want to pay Tremaine Edmonds $20 million or around that range to go along with – Matt Milano, um, like, who knows when Vaughn's going to be back? I mean, it seems like he's probably going to be ready for most of the season. I mean, how much more money can Brandon Bean in this front office and, you know, coaching staff in general just emphasize on this defensive line year after year after year and we just get the same exact production? Granted, if Vaughn Miller plays, I'm not, I don't think it changes the result in this game, but if everyone's healthy, I think that, you know, Vaughn clearly helps this team get over the hump maybe. But the, I think the biggest reason why I'm pushing back, because I do agree it's hard to have, you know, we got to the point where Jaquan Johnson got in the game Sunday because we're down four safeties. So it's hard for any defensive coordinator to, to try to get things going there. But this team was – pretty much fully healthy last year against Kansas city in the playoffs. And we couldn't stop them at all. I just think that there has to be some sort of change, whether that's a coach, whether that's schematically what they're doing, 
at the end of the day, the Bills defense can be number one in every category for all I fucking care the entire regular season, they're not performing in the postseason, and that's where you have to perform. Regardless if Von Miller played against Cincinnati, we were not winning that game. We were getting zero pressure against three backup linemen, one of which got hurt on like the second series of the game and played through an injury the whole game. Um, I just I just think that there needs to be some sort of change. And when we go back and look through the season and you look at like Brandon Bean said, we never put a full 60 minutes together. Yes, some of that is injuries, but I do think it's time to start looking at some more accountability with Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier. Granted, like you said, Ken Dorsey had his ups and downs, probably had more bad games down the stretch than good play calling games. But Dable was the same way. Everyone hated Brian Dable year one. He got better year two. And then by year three, the offense was clicking on all cylinders. So maybe that's going to happen. But as far as Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott, they've been there now for three, four, and five years. And they've been in those big moments. And they've been with a core group of these players for a majority of these seasons. And it seems like late down in stretches of seasons and in the playoffs, things just don't change. And a lot of games were close this year. Yes, it was because of injuries, but I think some of that's got to be held on coaching too, that you're schematically, you're not getting your players lined up right. You're not calling the right defenses at the right times. And I think one of the biggest problems with the bend don't break the way the Bills offenses run now, especially late in the season where you and I talked about it as far as we're getting to third and two and third and three, and Josh is still throwing the ball 30 yards down the field. Well, when you play a bend, don't break defense, unless you're getting a three and out or you're getting off the field relatively quickly, teams are just eating up clock on your defense. And yeah, maybe you hold them to a field goal or maybe you get a turnover, but the way your offense plays, the way they're willing to throw the ball downfield, be risky, take shots, you know, Josh put the ball on the ground a lot fumbling this year. It's hard to win games defensively when your offense plays like that and then you play bend, don't break because your defense is on the field for 80% of the game. So there has to be a more balance as far as you – being McDermott and Dorsey and Frazier's have to, I think, be more on the same page. We talked about it from the standpoint of they brought back – you know, they signed Dawson Knox. They get Isaiah McKenzie back. You talk about Brandon Bean kind of was like butthurt that McKissick walks away. He mentions getting in Naheem Hines, who only plays 13 offensive snaps. You draft James Cook in the second round, who's a receiving back. You don't really use him either. You don't use McKenzie. It just seemed like you brought in all these guys, but then you don't utilize them. So I think there needs to be a greater concept. Like I said, if Frazier comes back, I'm with you. Like, I'm not going to like lose my shit if Frazier comes back. Because, again, he's a good human being. He's a good for the culture, whatever. Um, I just also think it wouldn't be the worst to have a little bit of change and maybe change the defense a little bit to get some more pressure to utilize maybe your D-line a little bit better. Because it seems like we've, you mentioned it, Star Latule, we brought in, uh, Jefferson, Vernon Butler, 
you know, we drafted Epinesa, Boogie Basham, Greg Rousseau. We're investing, investing, investing in this defensive line, and you're missing out on picking guys like Creed Humphrey who can protect Josh or, you know, previously going out and getting like a DK Metcalf to have another receiver to throw with Josh. And I think Gabriel Davis, Stephon Diggs was so good last year, and you utilized Dawson Knox in Dable's system that I think everyone, including Brandon Bean, thought Davis was going to make this super big jump. And then as soon as teams started double-teaming Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis wasn't able to win that one-on-one matchup. I still think Gabe Davis is a good player for as much as we want to criticize him. He's still a good football player. Uh, he's a very low-end wide receiver, too, depending on, you know, if you have Stephon Diggs on your team and you can't get open one-on-one, I think that's kind of a problem. I think he's kind of more than that wide receiver three tier and they need to go out, use some money, whether that's in the draft, trading up and getting someone or go finding guys on cheap deals. You know, I've been tweeting about it at nauseum for the last three days since the game's been over that I know Jerry Judy was available for the Broncos. They obviously have a lot of draft pick issues. They might want to be getting Sean Payton. I would call and offer Gabe Davis for Jerry Judy and give them like a fourth round pick or something with it. I'm willing, I want to get a player like that who is more good and intermediate has speed to me. Davis was really only good on the sidelines and running deep routes. He's not really that quick slant slot guy that you can use Jerry Judy. You can line him up all over the field or go to a team like the Cardinals who seem like they don't know what the hell is going on. I know they traded for Hollywood Brown last year, but go get a guy like that who has one year left on his deal that can come in and be a huge deep threat and maybe open the field for Diggs more. Um, and I'm, I don't know how you feel. I'm sure we're probably more on the same wing, wavelength, but I I love Stephon Diggs. I don't – granted, I understand a little bit of the criticism of you're a team captain, you shouldn't – walk out like that but at the same time i'm i'm all with him of like if you want me to tolerate losing every year in the playoffs or you think i want to go out like that or i'm not getting the ball and it's not even like a selfish we've talked about this before it's this team is better when stefan Diggs gets the ball i would have rather the bills went out on sunday losing that game with stefan Diggs getting 25 targets than him just getting even if he's in double coverage Give him some opportunity. That's why you paid him. Um, I'm not worried about Stefan Diggs. He's a competitor. That's why we brought him in here to be a dog. Him and Josh are going to be fine. You know, all the Twitter trolls out there saying that he's a cancer and he's a bad teammate. Everyone that's talked since, you know, the game has said the complete opposite. And Brandon Bean even said, like, I love that he's like that. Um, so I'm sure you and me are on the same page on that, that I have no concerns with Stefan Diggs going forward at all. I, I could not care less that he was frustrated and walked out. I, if it, he's a grown ass man, right? Like <laughs> these are grown ass men. If they need someone to show them how to be a good sportsman, Oh, he's a captain. He needs to set a better example. Get real. Are you kidding me? These are, if this was high school or college, sure, fine. I get that. No, these are grown-ass men who make millions and millions of dollars. And they only have 10, 12 years, if you're lucky, to try to win a Super Bowl. Like, 
Like your if, season keeps ending the same way, I'd be fucking pissed too. If you're annoyed that he walked out because he's a captain and he was upset and it looks bad for the team in the locker room, go touch grass. Like, what are you talking about? It's okay. Like, he's a competitor. He's frustrated. He's 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 not going to demand a trade. He's he wants to win. Like, I bet more players wanted to storm out too. Like, it's just I absolutely absurd like you should be more concerned that you've got other players in the league just clowning fan bases and injured players on twitter you know other than a guy who's upset and left after a game before you wanted him to sorry like it's just so stupid. like people just find anything to be upset about um so i don't know i think we've kind of gotten a lot of the frustration out um, so close the show. We're not going to do any Sabres talk today. Um, kind of just a Bills centric show, although Sabres wagon. Um, we'll, we'll talk about them next week for sure. They're going to be finishing up a road trip here in Winnipeg and uh, Minnesota over the weekend. So we'll definitely dulge back into them uh, next week. Um, but let's close the show plan for next year. Um, I think you kind of hit on it, Andrew. I'm, I'm pretty fine with running most of it back. Um, I think we both kind of already mentioned um, things they need to improve on. And I, you know, I already just threw out some ideas of players I look at to maybe bring in to, you know, get that receiving room a little better. Um, I really would rather not draft another running back for the fourth year in a row. I think you just let James cook go and you have Naheem Hines for another year on his deal. I don't think Singletary's coming back. I know they love him, but unless it's a pretty friendly deal, um, I don't think you want to be putting four or five and six million dollars into a running back that you could be using on an offensive lineman because, like you said, Josh was bruised, bleeding, and running for his life um, pretty much every play the last couple weeks. Um, so I think if you're looking at the offense, I don't know if you're in agreement, but um, when I look at the offense, Deion Dawkins, Mitch Morse, Definitely, I think, are solidified. They're coming back. I think you feel comfortable with them. Uh, James Cook, Josh, obviously, Diggs. I think Khalil Shakir looked really promising late in the year. Um, you know, Cole Beasley talked about coming back. I don't know. I mean, if he wants to come back on, like, a bare minimum, like, million-dollar deal, sure, just because you need more in the slot. McKenzie still has one more year. Davis. Both those guys to me aren't a hundred percent roster locks to me. And I think Spencer Brown will be here, but I think Bean will definitely be looking to bring in some competition to push him or maybe they consider moving him to guard or something. I don't know how realistic that is. Um, but you know, he just really, really struggled. Saffold talked about coming back. I really do not want to see him back. He was not good. Um, and then Ryan Bates, I'm indifferent about. Um, I think he has some value just because of the ability to play multiple positions. You know, the Bears were a team that, um, you know, basically gave him an offer for the Bills to match. So maybe if you feel comfortable enough and you want to get younger and you want to use some more cap, maybe that's a guy that you reach out to a Bears team who has a lot of picks to maybe – get some more young talent in and get draft players that can come in and be just as good right away. Um, and then defensively, 
You're getting Vaughn back. Hopefully Rousseau's there at Oliver's going to be on the fifth year. He's going to be playing for a big deal. Um, who knows what they're going to do between Daquan Jones, Jordan Phillips, Shaq Lawson, those guys. Um, I think they all had their moments this year, but I'm not going to be completely upset if they do or don't come back. Um, Epinesa, Boogie Basham, I really don't care either way. Honestly, if there's a guy to come back between Epinesa and Lawson, I'd actually rather bring back Lawson. I thought he was more consistent. Linebackers, we already talked about. Tremaine's the big one. Milano's locked up. Who gives a shit about Terrell Bernard? He did absolutely nothing for a third-round pick, and we don't use three linebackers ever. Taron Johnson, Trey White, Kyer Elam, uh, Micah Hyde will be back, and then Jordan Poyer's probably gone. I am very intrigued, I will say, um, by the thought of Christian Benford moving to safety just because of the size, athleticism, and a lot of draft prospect guys when he was coming out thought that that would be his best position potentially in the NFL. Um, I definitely think it's worth a look. He played pretty well at moments during the season, Um, but there's definitely some work to do. I also wouldn't mind it at all if they find a way to free up some cap space and just completely start poaching guys from these other teams. Like I know Von Bell and Jesse Bates are two safeties that are both free agents for the Bengals go poach one of them and make their team worse. Um, so, yeah, I think there's there's some work to do, but I think with a little bit of roster movement, absolutely having to hit on some of these draft picks and being able to contribute right away like these other teams have been able to get. Um, and I feel good about, feel good about them um, going into next year. But, yeah, I think – it's kind of weird to say just because of how bad the defense looked on Sunday, but offense wasn't much better. And you have Josh Allen, but you look around with Joe Burrow as T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, um, you know, Hertz, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, even Mahomes has Kelsey. They drafted Sky Moore, Pacheco, Juju, Valis Scantling, Hardman. They have all these guys. Um their offensive line and wide receiver definitely need to be, to me, the biggest point of emphasis, you know, in the offseason for this team going into next year. Yeah, I agree. I, I think you keep drafting uh, linemen until you can't draft anymore. And you switch over to wide receiver, like you said. Um, but also, right, I, it's hard. Like, this offseason, I think, is going to suck. It, it's really going to suck. They are – incredibly tight on cash they have a lot of free agents um you know guys that and look like it's i'm sure it's similar with other fan bases and other cities but like buffalo i think we've talked about this before buffalo like really falls in love with these players as humans right like it's more than just oh this guy plays on my favorite football team every sunday right like they're part of our community and it's going to suck. Like, there's guys that are going to leave that you don't want them to leave, right? Like, Devin Singletary, Jordan Poyer, right? Like, and we've been talking about it throughout the episode. And, like, I've got this pit in my stomach thinking about Jordan Poyer leaving and not being able to win a Super Bowl as a Buffalo Bill. Like, that sucks. I mean, he was – him and Micah were the first two additions from this new regime when they took over all those years ago, right? Like, he they helped, changed the defense in our whole culture. Yeah, they helped – break the drought to help turn this team around and it it just it sucks that we couldn't get it done with them on the squad but 
you know, it's business. That's how it works. But it's going to suck. Like, this is going to be a another, like, heartbreaking, gut-wrenching offseason. There's guys that are going to leave that you don't want them to. Um, Singletary, you know, all these guys, if we can keep Edmonds, great. If not, like, that, there's another guy that you don't want to see leave. But, um, yeah, like, I just – I think – I think we're in for a long, long wait until training camp, until the new season starts. Um, but I don't know. I, uh, with all the downs, you know, downfalls and, and gaps that we've talked about, I trust this organization to figure it out and do the right thing. I, I think Brandon Bean is starting to feel the pressure. He understands he's got Josh running around like a chicken with his head cut off, and that's got to stop. I, th- I think he knows what needs to be done and. I think they'll get it done, um, but it's. Uh, I think it's going to be a very uncomfortable off season for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be a long, long off season. But I think Brandon Bean, you know, pointed it out like uh, there is no big free agent uh, swing. Yeah. Uh, this off season, I feel like it's kind of just. Um, yeah. We're uh, we're done eating steak and lobster in the off season. We gotta switch over to hamburger helper. <laughs> I think that's uh, I think that's where we're switching to the kind of the direction we're heading. Yeah, and I know I uh, I sent you a picture yesterday. I think it kind of relates to uh, all all Buffalo sports fans uh, right now. Uh, we're kind of in a cycle of after the game, it's oh no, the Bills suck. Now, right now, every Buffalo sports fan is, thank God we have the Buffalo Sabres. And by the time the Sabres season's it over, it's going to be, oh, no, the Sabres suck. And it's, thank God we have the Bills. So it's a it's a cycle every year, and uh, hope everyone uh, gets through uh, accordingly. Right. But um, appreciate everyone for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back next week. Like I said, Sabres have been on a tear lately. Um, getting a lot of big games. Uh, we'll definitely divulge a little more into Ryan Miller night um, next week as well, because it was really awesome for them to win that game. Um, beat Anaheim on Saturday as well, and then they've won the first two of their road trips of so four wins in a row. A um, lot, lot of good things going on with this team. A couple big games coming up tomorrow and Saturday. They're only uh, three points back of the second wild card spot, which is Washington. Um, after last night, and they have three games in hand on them. So it's been a while since the Sabres have been in the thick of the playoff race this late in the year, and it's uh, definitely a, a joy to be had, and we'll definitely talk some bandits too. Um, but appreciate everyone for listening. As always, give us a follow on Instagram at the Buffalo Oil Podcast. Um, we're going to be starting to use a new recording. Um, I'm sure you'll be able to tell um, at the beginning of the show there's probably a little bit of audio issue. I was trying to play around with it while we were starting. Um, but we'll get that figured out and squared away for the next uh, couple weeks and expect some more uh, content to be posted video-wise um, on it, on the Instagram, so give us a follow there. But thanks for support as always. This has been the Buffalo Oil Podcast, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. These guys are good. Scary good. What a connection. Allen and Diggs. No one circles the wagon like the Buffalo Bills.